Greetings! On behalf of Pastor Joshua Lockett and Triad Christian Center, we welcome you to the Movement Podcast. 2019 is the year of the team player, and Pastor Josh challenges us to connect, join, and serve in the local ministry to advance the kingdom of God. We're glad you're joining us today, so let's tune in to this week's message. Let's go really quickly to Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 37 through 38. And uh, we're going to talk about grief today. Amen. Last Sunday, we talked about offense. Amen. First Sunday, we just opened up talking about conversations, period. And again, I think it's just good for us to have some good old-fashioned, healthy conversations and discussions about these things. It says, and taking, in the Amplified, it says, and taking with him Peter and and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to show grief and what? Distress of mind. And was what? Deeply depressed. Now, who is this talking about? The worst sinner ever? This is talking about who? Jesus. This is actually a a story about Jesus when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, He was about to be betrayed. Judas was already probably speculating and navigating. And he's got probably about 11 disciples right now. And he takes three of those 11 disciples with him. And he, he begins, the Bible says, he's... He's, he's, he's beginning to show grief and distress of mind, and he was, and was deeply depressed. So, in the Amplified, it's saying that Jesus was deeply depressed. Y'all hearing me today? Then he said to them, my soul, under, look, at what he, look at what he said, he says, my what? My soul is, is very sad and what? Not just a little grief, it's deeply grieved, so that I am almost what? I'm almost dying of sorrow and he says, stay here, and it's right here on your, ampli- on your outline as well if you want to look at that. Stay here and keep awake. Tell your neighbor, say, keep awake. And, wa- and keep watch with me. So when we look at the word uh, grief, you know, there are a couple meanings that people may have. And by the way, let me just preface this by saying this is not going to come uh, solely from a psychological standpoint, but we're going to use what the Scripture says. Amen? Obviously, if you go to psychologists or counseling, they're going to be different thoughts on it, and some of it can definitely overlap with Scripture, but just be mindful of that as we track through this. Amen? I believe the church needs to have joy. Amen? And what I'm going to show you today is that you can actually have joy while your hearts ache. You can have joy and aching hearts at the same time. And I think that also we need to, when we have the, because, you know, let me kind of just give you a little bit of the heart more so about what we're doing in these, these, these conversations. You know, a lot of people, if they don't talk to you, they're going to talk to somebody. I mean, like your kids, if they don't talk to you, they're going to talk to their friends about some stuff. You know, they might not talk to you about suicide, but they're talk to their friends. Because sometimes in the church, we don't feel comfortable having certain conversations because of the stigma that is attached to it. You know, mental health is a real deal. And obviously, I believe, in, I believe in the fullness of the Scripture. I believe in full gospel. I believe that there are some spiritual connections. Um, and I do believe that there's some things that happen. But really, the, the thing is, is that we have got to take the stigma off of it. You know, the enca- let me tell you why the enca- one of the reasons why the encounter is so powerful. It's not just that God moves. It's not just that people pray and fast. I believe it's the level of transparency and the conversations that take place. Amen. And it's the things that would have a stigma attached to it that you hear being talked about freely. Are you with me? 
And, and so I believe that that is, the, that is really what takes the lid off of it. It's not so much just because God is everywhere. Are y'all with me? But as I told you about Joseph, when Joseph freed up and he said, I am Joseph, then his brothers start to freely talk. And so the, the thing is, is this, is that I believe that we have to, there's some conversations that it's, it's healthy to have. One, obviously last week we talked about offense. This week we're talking about grief. So say grief. Well, what does it mean? What, what does grief mean? It can mean anguished. It could also mean depressed. It, it, can, mean, it can mean sad. Say sad. Okay. Now, let me just help you out and help you to understand something that, that grief is not always bad. Are y'all with me? And let me say this to you. Grief can be very normal. I'll show you scriptures about that in just a little bit. It can be normal. It can be beneficial. Um, grief is beneficial in the sense that when we sin, we should not feel good about it. Are y'all with me? So we should, be, we should be sorrowful. We should be grieved. The Holy Spirit actually gets grieved. Are y'all with me? The Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit. So we know that God is holy. He's sinless, but yet he still grieves. I've never heard somebody's old school, maybe, but they say, I'm just grieved in my spirit right now. Now, they might not know actually what they're saying, maybe, but they just say it. Amen? They said, I'm grieved in my spirit. So grieve, to be, to be grieved or to be in a grieving place is not always unhealthy. Are y'all with me? Sometimes it's healthy because when we feel that pain and that sorrow, that's what helps us to turn. If we feel good about it, we wouldn't probably turn. So sin, when, we, when we're in sin, we, we turn. It's almost like, I think it says in the Scripture as well, when God made the earth and he got to Adam and he saw, he says he was sorry that he ever what? Made man, right? So he so God, so one of the things that you say about emotions is that emotions can be perverted, but in and of themselves, they're pure sometimes. I mean, anger is pure. People say, don't be angry. But the Bible says, be angry, but sin not. The Bible says God is slow to anger. Are y'all with me? So anger can also be a holy emotion. Grief is a holy emotion if you're using it towards the right direction. Are y'all with me? Hopefully, we're breaking down some barriers right now mentally. So another thing to realize, go with me really quickly, Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 3, verse 4 in the New Living Translation. It says, it says, a time to cry, a time to what? Go, go, go with me to the New Living Translation. It says, a time to cry and a time to what? Say your name, say it's a time to cry. Say your name, it's okay to cry. Amen. Say the good, the good old-fashioned cries, too. Tell them it's, it's good to have the one where, you know, that's not coming. Where you need, you need, you need, a, you need a plethora of tissues. Amen. Is it a time to what? And it's also what a time to, we were just dancing right there. Amen. Who the sun sets free. But it's also a time to what? Grieve. One of the wisest men in the world said this. It's a time to what? Grieve. Now, I didn't say it lasted for eternity. It said there is a time. So there's a time. So we don't grieve all the time. We shouldn't necessarily grieve all the time. There's a day come where he's going to wipe away what? Every tear. Amen. How many know that, that grief is healthy, but really when we get to heaven, you won't really need grief because you ain't going to have no sin to turn away from. Everybody going to be holy and pure. So, so, so grief, listen to me closely. So grief, there is a time for it. Say, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there is a time to grieve. And this is so important because I want to just give you some practicality of this. You know, sometimes when you have conversations with people, uh, they, they, who are grieving, maybe they lost a loved one or, the, you know, a, a person died in their family. 
you have the you have the superhero Christians and you got the other Christians. And what I mean by that is when they when they talk to the person, they say, Oh, you shouldn't be crying over that. We ain't supposed to be crying over that. And he's like, That's what that's your walk. That's not my walk. Amen. Now, I, well, you as Christians, y'all shouldn't be grieving. Yeah, the Bible says we shouldn't grieve like the world. But the Bible says we do grieve. And so whether it's tears, whether it's quietness, whatever the case may be, tell your neighbor, say, we grieve. And it's okay. Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay. So don't try to speed up somebody else's grieving process. Amen. And don't try to provoke a grieving process. Well, I ain't seen you cry yet. Why you ain't cry? Don't, don't ask me that. How many of people, they, put, they police you about your grief? How many, have you cried yet? Have you, have you shed a tear yet about that? Because they want you to respond like they did. But how many know everybody can grieve differently? Amen. You can, you can shed however many tears you want and still be in depression. Come on now. It's not necessarily a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing that I believe takes place where or God permits us to where he frees up our soul to be able to have joy again. Say joy. So grief is normal and is beneficial. It can be used to turn us away from sin. But the Bible says there is a time for grief. In the, in the 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen. How many know it's good to know what's going to happen? Amen. The Bible says, I would have I fainted. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the what? That's what helps you to know what's coming. Amen. To know that he's got some good plans for you. Amen. He's got an expected end for you. So look at what he says. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know some stuff. We want you to know what will happen to the who? Who have died. So you will not what? See, it's what you know that helps you through your grieving process. See, that's why, that's why a person, they can have a loved one to die, and the next week they back in action, rolling and smiling and ministering to other people because they know some stuff. Tell your neighbor, I know too much to doubt them. I know too much to doubt Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I know too much to doubt them. And it says, we want you to know something. Amen. See, knowledge is power when it comes to grieving. Do you know the difference between you grieving for the rest of your life and you grieving for the moment God has for you is what you know. And one thing I know that he's a good, good father. That's who he is. No matter what he does, he's still what? Good. It may not always feel good, but he's still good. I'm so thankful that he is good, 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 and his mercy endures forever. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest before we shout too much. Sometimes he don't taste good. But the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good, which means it's not always tangible. Amen. You can't always feel his. See, when you get a check in the mail, you get a new job and a promotion, you can feel his goodness. But when they fire you, that don't feel good. When they persecuting you, that don't feel good. But the Bible says it was God's good plan to crush Jesus. Come on now. It was his good plan to put him on the cross. It didn't feel good, but it was good. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, he's good. Okay, so believers who have died, so you will not what? Grieve like people who have no what? So your neighbor say, we got a hope. We have a hope, 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 hope. And he says, so, so in other words, he's saying, in a sense, he's saying specifically, I believe he's specifically talking about death here because there are different reasons why people grieve. He's saying, listen, you're going to grieve, but you don't grieve like other people. Amen. Because you have a what? A hope. A hope. So there's a couple reasons why some of us may grieve. Say so your neighbor say, there's a couple reasons. 
And, and I don't know what your reason is today, but there are different things that may happen, death, divorce, uh, imprisonment. There might be a personal injury or illness. Uh, there may, it might be your marriage. When you got married, you start grieving. Amen. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully something didn't die, but something came alive when you started grieving. I mean, pregnancy can cause grief. Business readjustment can cause grief. Change of financial state. Amen. You, you, you lost a couple zeros off of your paycheck. Amen. It, it can cause grief. It, changing to a different career can cause grief. Changing uh, your, your major mortgage, foreclosure. It can change your responsibilities, trouble with your in-laws. Y'all ain't talking to me today. Tell your name. That can cause trouble with your boss. Amen. Changing working hours. Change. You can move to a different place and start grieving. Amen. So there are different reasons why we can grieve. We can even grieve on vacation. Amen. And, and, and we grieve on holidays. You know, November, December, for some, may be the hardest months out of the year. While everybody else is rejoicing, putting Instagram pictures up about them getting on a knee and proposing to their special someone. And somebody else is saying, oh, we're pregnant and showing the belly and the baby bump. Other people are like, I hate this time because it reminds me of what I lost. But tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, we have a hope in Jesus. Come on, say, we have a hope in Jesus. Come on, say it again. Say, we have a hope in Jesus. Even if you're struggling with depression, they say, we have a hope in Jesus. So four potential signs of grief. Grief can make you, number one, physically weary. What's a sign that I'm grieving? You just always tired. You get 12 hours of sleep and you still tired. You got so much, you got so much sleep, your head start hurting and you still tired. How you got that much sleep? You got so much sleep, your body start hurting. You like, I've been asleep too long. Amen. Like on one of them snow days. You know, you sleeping in and you got your got your milk and your bread that you bought from Harris Teeter. And if the power go out, that's going bad anyway. I don't know why you get it. But you get that your milk and your bread because you want to be in the hustle and bustle with everybody else doing. So y'all, how, how many of you know milk and bread people? Raise your hand. How many of you know people that don't do anything? They just trust God. Raise your hand. Amen. All the single people probably. So, 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 say physically weary. Okay, in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verse 45, it says, And when he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them what? Sleeping from grief. When you find yourself Waking up, and when you waking up, you're talking about going, when you're going to go back to sleep, when you go back to sleep, you, it's just like people, they just finish eating breakfast, they're already talking about lunch, and then they finish lunch, they're already talking about dinner. Let that, just, just, just at least an hour, just let your, they wake up, they say, boy, that was a good sleep, I can't wait to go back again. I'm going to get, I'm going to get the best. In other words, they, when you are obsessed with sleep, it's a sign that you're grieving. You had, we have 14 hours of sleep, and we wake up, we go to the job and say, I'm just so tired. I wish we would be gone by now. What? You just got to work, and you complaining. It's only 10 o'clock, and it ain't the itis. Amen. So, so, so one of the signs, obviously there are other physical issues that can happen, but one of the signs that we are grieving is that we're always tired. When you see people saying, I just got to go to sleep, they're in their room, they're always laying down, they're, they're never up, there's no energy, it's a sign that you are grieving. Amen? The Bible says that the disciples were not sleep from crusades. 
They were not asleep from casting out demons. The Bible says that they were asleep simply from what? Grief. And so sometimes that, I would even say that goes into a lack of motivation. You just, you just don't have, I don't have energy to do anything. I don't feel like doing anything. I just keep, and everywhere you go, you just have like this tired haze. It's a sign of what? Grief. Number two. Number two. Now, this is one that I just, you could take it or leave it, but I believe grief, and this is going to be a strong word, grief can help kill you. Jesus said, I'm grieved to the point of death. Jesus said, Jesus said, this grief, I'm almost grieved to the point where in Mark 14, verse 34, it says, I, I'm, I, he said it to them, my soul is exceedingly what? Sad, overwhelmed with grief so that it what? Almost kills me. So if it don't kill you, it can help you get there. And I believe that when you mix grief with physical illness, that's not a good combination. Because it's going to be hard for us. That's why I tell you one thing. One thing that we can, we might not be able to control all the time our physical bodies, but one thing we can't control is our soul. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. There's a praise that can still rise even when you're sad, that you can tell your soul, I don't, now let me help you out. Can I help you all out? You know what your soul is? Your, your soul is the place of your emotions. Are you with me? It's, it's the place of your, it's the, I feel a certain type of way. That's your soul. Tell you anyway, that's your soul. So your soul, when you get saved, your soul still got to catch up every day. Your soul has to be renewed. That's why people said, I got saved. I looked at my feet. They look new. Well, let, let me just help you out. If you had corns on your feet before, when you get saved, more than likely they're going to still be there afterwards. Are y'all with me? Come on, y'all. Say, tell your name today. Don't, don't feel bad about it. But when you look down, those feet are going to look the same way. What happens is that there's been an interchange, and what happens is our soul, say our soul, our, our emotions, and I would even just say our desires have to align up with that spiritual momentum that the Spirit of Christ in us is bringing. So he's already got joy. He's already got peace. He's already got power on the inside of us. But we have to make sure our soul, say our soul, aligns with our spirit. And then I believe when our soul aligns with our spirit, then our body will just follow. Y'all ain't talking to me. And when our body follows, they start thinking, you look happier. Well, what's happening, it could be your soul is being energized. So say, say, say this with me. Say, my soul must have joy. Don't say it like to say, say, Father, fill my soul with joy. So it can, but it can help, it can help kill you. I believe it can help lead to death. Number three, grief can blind you. And I, and, and I believe that this is, I believe that this is something that the psalmist, I mean, not the psalmist, but the, but the person in Job, Job 17, verse 7, I don't know necessarily if he's talking about physical blindness or he was talking about emotional blindness, vision blindness, but I believe this. One of the telltale signs, and I'm just going to tell you, you can say, take it, say, you can take it or leave it, but say, my past about to say it, though. I believe that when you start losing your vision for the future, you are grieving. When you're fixated on the present, but you don't have any outlook to the future, Grief is taking over. Look at what it says in Job 17. It says, my eyes have what? Because of what? Look at what it says in the New Living Translation. Look what it says. It says, my eyes are swollen with what? And I am but a shadow of my what? Now, you remember, you remember when Jesus was with his disciples? And he said, could you not stay awake and watch with me? 
In other words, every time, look at this, look at this picture. Every time that they kept, that they kept trying to pray, they kept finding themselves falling asleep. What do you do when you go to sleep unless you are, you are, you're a different person? What do you do with your eyes? Do you open them or close them? Now, I know some people sleep with their eyes open. That's another story. Do not mess up my example right now. But he kept, he said, you could not keep your eyes open. Their eyes kept closing. When you find your vision dwindling, it could be a sign that you are being grieved. And I would say that the sign that you're coming out of grief is you start saying, man, I think I am going to start that business now. I think I am going to get married now. I think I, I think I am going to go and I'm going to I'm going to start praying more now. I think I am going to begin to prepare for the ministry God. Look, you you look ahead. The Bible says I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. In other words, that's future tense. What is your future talking about? Amen. So number 4, so number 3 blindness, then number 4, grief can make you more susceptible to temptation. Jesus said pray. So you want what? Give in to temptation. It says, pray, Mark chap- Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. I'll go there in New Living Translation. New Living Translation. It says, keep watching what? So that you will not what? But For the spirit is what? But the body is what? And so what made the body weak? Grief. Okay? Now, let me, let me say this to you. There are, there are moments in our life where we're more open to falling to temptation. You want me to help you out? You want me to give you some of them? I believe number one, when we're hungry. Say hungry. If you wanted to broaden that, it's when you have an emotion, uh, you, have a, you have a large desire that is yet to be fulfilled. In other words, Paul said, if you marry people, take some time away. Be careful doing that because if you're not careful... You're going to let the devil step right in your life. In other words, when that thing gets too intense, the Bible says it's better to marry than to what? So whether it's sexual, whether it's hunger, Jesus was tempted when he got hungry. Can I tell you this? The, the, the Turn the stone into a loaf of bread wouldn't have worked if he was full. Amen. So the devil came in at that time, and the Bible says he was going to look for more. He was going to look for opportune time. So I believe when we're hungry, that, that happens. I believe when we're angry, say angry. Okay. It's when we're angry that we say stuff that we later regret. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 26, don't sin by letting anger control you. For it gives, then he goes on to say later on, it gives a foothold to the what? To the devil. So I believe anger. I believe, I believe hunger. And, and I believe the other one is, 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 is this right here. It's grief. The Bible says that they were falling asleep. He says, pray, 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 pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But they couldn't pray because they were doing what? They kept falling asleep. Why did the Bible say they were falling asleep? Because of grief. I believe that grief, in that particular case, helped them. And obviously, all of them scattered when, when they came. They all scattered. Y'all remember that? They, the, the, the soldiers came for them. They ran. And I believe they fell into temptation. And I believe that when we're tired, I believe the more tired we are, the more open we are to what? Temptation. And, and, and one of the reasons why in this particular context is because sometimes when, we, when we're tired, we can't really pray. Y'all with me? Okay. And so, and so we're not really ready. How many ever have ever been just, uh, you were just very energetic, and when you got to, to praying or got to reading the Word, you just had a spirit of slumber that came over you? You better rebuke that thing in Jesus' name. 
and somebody say, I, I, somebody say, I, they, they say, I, I use, I use messages from pastors to go to sleep. That ain't right. You wrong. It should wake you up. Amen. No, okay. I believe that their grief, that it helped them, it helped to prevent them from walking in victory over temptation. I believe there's some things that we're more open to when we are in a place where we are, we're sad and, and we're, we're depressed. Uh, n- number one, uh, grief talk tips. First of all, like my brother said earlier today, I believe we have to admit it. Say admit it. Okay. When we're talking to someone about grief, if we're on the other end and we're talking to someone about the grief that we're experiencing, we have to admit it. Tell your neighbor's neighbor, Jesus did. Okay. And, and Jesus, Jesus told his disciples flat out. He said, he began to show him. Then he said to them, my soul is very sad. And what? Deeply grieves. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. So tell your neighbor's neighbor, we have to admit it. Okay. So I've given you signs, some signs that can potentially um, help you to notify whether or not you have it. And when you have it, don't try to go around the bush and just say, I don't have it. Just say, I have it. Say, I have it. Now, now, did Jesus really need help from the disciples? Maybe we could argue that back and forth. But he was honest enough with them to tell them, I'm grieving. I'm grieving over the loss of my mother. I'm grieving over the loss of my father. Whatever it might be for you, I'm grieving over the loss of my job. I'm grieving, I'm grieving over the transition of our family from one state to another. Tell your neighbor, we have to what? Admit it. Just, just confess it. Because I believe if we don't confess it, then how are we really going to get help? The Bible says if you want to be healed, well, Elder Arthur was saying earlier, if you want to be healed, you got to be what? Got to be real. So Jesus admitted it, and not only did he admit it, he brought a group with him. He said, come and hang out with me. Sometimes when we're grieving and we're going through, we're, just, we're distressed, we like to get alone. And sometimes that's when you need people around you the most to help you, to 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 check you, to, to, y'all ain't talking to me. Let me just be real. You need somebody to check you and say, you better stop talking. The devil is a liar. Rebuke it. You need somebody to cast the devil out of you sometimes. You need somebody to pray over you and, and, and to say, no, you will have joy and you will not kill yourself and you will not take your life. I'm just telling you, you got to have somebody. So, so he admitted it. Uh, I believe for, uh, another thing we got to do is we got to talk to God about it. We can't just admit it and just be real about it, but we got we to gotta go to God in prayer. Amen. Tell me, we got to go to God in prayer. What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing in his time of grief? He was praying. Amen. Now, obviously, <laughs> he, he wasn't praying, Lord, remove grief. He was praying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But, but, but he, was, he was talking. He was, he was talking to God. And I believe it's very important that, that, we, that we acknowledge God in all our ways, even when we're going through, even when we're hurting. The Bible says that as he was praying, that the angel of the Lord came and he strengthened him. And so in Luke, the gospel looks so tell your neighbor, prayer. Prayer strengthens us. One of the things that I believe helps is if you, I, I know some people might not believe in this, but I believe in praying in, the, in tongues. Amen. And, and, and boy, I'm going to tell you, it's something about praying in tongues for a good old 10, 15, 20 minutes and just begin to pray. You On your way to work, just, just speaking in all kinds of languages as the Spirit gives utterance that, that can, listen to me, that can build you back up. And sometimes it's a daily thing because the, the Bible says it's a time to grieve, but that time to grieve can be last week, 
And then you think about it again next week, and it could be another time to grieve, and you have to keep coming against that thing by building yourself up and talking to God. The Bible says, it says, don't worry about anything, but make your supplications known in all things. It says, give thanks to him. Can I tell you this? Prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer sometimes is telling God how good he is, how mighty he is, how holy he is. Come on now, how great he is. Prayer is simply communication with God. Tell your neighbor's neighbor, you got to learn how to praise him when you're in pain. Come on, tell the other person, you got to learn how to praise him when you're in pain. So we, so he's, so the Bible talks about how Jesus was praying when he was at a point of grief. He talked to God. So number one, admit it. Jesus admitted it. Talk to someone about it. And, and that includes both prayer or request and also praise. Speak well of God. Here goes the other thing. We need to talk to people that will help us carry that will help carry us emotionally. Say emotionally. And then also, and, and speak to you biblically. Say, speak to you biblically. Okay, now let me hit the first one, emotionally. He says, stay here with me. He says, stay here with me and what? Watch. And can I, can I be honest with you? If you look, go back to Luke chapter 22, it says something. This, this scripture, I've talked about it before, but it says, go back to Luke 22, verse 45. Look what it says. It says, and when he got up from prayer, he came and did what? And found them what? Now, who was, who was grieving before? So, could you say that in the midst of them watching, and hanging around Jesus, they were actually able to help carry the burden of his grief. They couldn't handle it. He could, but he said, stay here. You need to get people around you that can help carry you when you're going through emotionally. Now, you can't just have anybody. You got to have somebody that's strong. The Bible says, rejoice with those who what? Rejoice. It says sharing others what? Joy. How many know you can share other people's emotions? Just like the Bible says, and this might not be a mo- more of an emotion, but more of a reaction. The Bible says, be careful that a root of bitterness doesn't spring up. What? Corrupting other people. Sometimes your emotions are contagious. Y'all with me? And people can help you carry it. And, and notice, it didn't say the other disciples were sleeping. It was just the ones who he said, come with me. His, 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 his intimate group, he said, come with me. And they were falling asleep because of the same thing he had, grief. So you need someone that's spiritual enough that you feel is comfortable enough to be able to help you. Because I'm going to tell you this, when you talk to people and you hear their problems, have you ever talked to somebody and you've been weighed down by what they just told you? You leave out feeling tired. You say, why am I so tired? I don't say I had a three-hour conversation with this person. And, and I believe it could even be why Jericho, not Jericho, Jephro told Moses, he said, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out if you're trying to talk to all these people by yourself. If you're trying to get into everybody's issues by yourself, you're going to wear Because I believe it wears us out when we're in everybody's business. That's why we need to delegate some stuff to other people. Say, I can't talk to them right now. Because yeah, I, I hadn't even prayed yet. How am I going to talk to you when I hadn't even talked to God yet? 
So you need you need people that's that's not and, and you you know why you need to talk to other people not not just not just so you can they can get your business but so that but so that they could talk to God about you. You got to get you an intercessor. Paul said in Romans fifteen verse thirty he says he says he says I want you to join my struggle by praying for me. People unite with your struggle. What's your struggle? They unite with you when they pray. So they help you carry you emotionally and speak to you. You biblically, you can't just be in any type of counsel. Amen. You got to be in the right type of counsel. You can't be in a counsel that tells you, well, you better go back and just cuss them out. They got you crying like that. That, that ain't the right type of counsel. That ain't, come on now, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't biblical counsel. Y'all with me? You, 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 you don't need a counselor that says, if they did evil to you, then we're going to go back together and do evil. I'm your group member. I'm going to help you kill them. No, 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 no. You don't, we're going to cut him up. No, you don't need to go back and cut him up. You need somebody that's giving you some biblical sound counsel. You know, people, you know, they wonder about even with me and my, my family, how did y'all make it through? Number one, for me personally, it was the presence of God. If I was in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, you, I know everybody's not here. You will get there. I declare it. But sometimes it takes, it can, not for everybody, but sometimes it takes 30 to 45 minutes of waiting on the Lord before he begins to energize your soul. And what happens is when you get in the presence, you get a new perspective. Because he says, set me up on a rock higher than my enemies. In Revelation 4, he said, come up here. See, your job looks so big to you because you're so low. But when you get in the presence of God, he'll take you up in the airplane. And what used to look big won't look big anymore. It'll look smaller. Y'all ain't talking. They used to talk about you look so big, but when you get in the presence of God, it'll look smaller. Why? Because you're up higher. Say, come up higher. Come up higher. So you have to learn how to worship till you go up higher. Because God will begin to show you your life is like a vapor. You may get 90 years, 100 years, but then you're gone. And then you get up and worship and you start feeling the presence of God. Now, it's interesting because the same presence that my dad feels every single day, 24-7, unstopped glory of, the God, of God. I can, I can only taste. The Bible says we have a foretaste of glory. So, in other words, in a sense, the closest I can get to him is by feeling the same presence he feels. So, when I'm worshiping God, I'm because guess what? Nobody in heaven is sitting there grieving like, oh, God, please help my family. They up there on the streets of gold like, I don't care. Go and the Bible says the day of the Lord is like a thousand years. So, to be honest, about time they get to their mansion and get their keys from an angel, they turn around, oh, you already here. Time is totally different. So, that's why we have to move into that heavenly presence where we can begin to feel heaven on earth. Y'all ain't talking to me. Where we can begin to feel the joy of the Lord here on earth. We, we, we got to learn how to worship. We got to learn how to worship when it hurts. We got to learn how to worship. So, the presence of God helped me. But not just the presence of God, the people of God. You encourage people just by your mere presence. And, for, and to have people, when we, when, he, when he transitioned, we had people come over bringing all kind of food over. You ain't really want to eat, though. And they come over just to see somebody smile, just to feel somebody's presence will lift you up. The Bible talks about how Titus has brought me joy by his presence, by his arrival. There is a joy that's released just by seeing brother so-and-so smile on their face. So the people, God, say the people of God. And so these are things that we have to do. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, 
say we got to make sure that we find the right group. We, we got to find somebody that's speaking biblical, amen. They're not just speaking what they feel, but they got to speak biblical, amen. And it, not, not turn away from God, not curse God and die. See, Lot's wife, I mean, not Lot's wife, but jo- Job's wife wasn't talking right, amen. She was talking the wrong way. That's the wrong person to hang out with when you're going through. You don't need nobody to tell you to curse God. You need somebody to tell you to bless God. You need somebody to provoke you to a praise when you're going through. Amen. I like that song. I vow to praise you through the good and the bad. Because praise is what I do. Y'all know that song? And I owe it all to you. You got you got you gotta learn how to just praise him. And number four, number four, talk to people that are consistent. Amen. They're not in and out people. You gotta Jesus said, stay here with me. He didn't say, come in, jump out. He said, stay here. Stay here. Now, in order for us to stay, because I believe in our ministry here at Triad, we're going to have people. They're going to have, just like uh, when my father transitioned, I remember my grandmother transitioned the day after I was preaching. And, 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 and in these moments, you need people to surround you. And there are going to be people that come in that need people to surround them. Because they're lions. The devil is like a lion. He likes to isolate people and pick them off. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, you, we got to be able to be graced in surrounding people when they find out they no longer have the job that gave them their identity. We got to surround them. When they find out the person they love for so many years has left them, we got to surround them because they're going to agree. So, so this is the thing. The, the, the Bible says, and let's go real quick. It says, talk to people that are consistent. That means that they're in your face. They're calling you. They're they're texting you. Even they showing up to your house. How many of you got people right now that will show up at your house if you don't answer your phone call after about three hours? How many you get? You need people like that in your life that will show up in your house and say, "What are you doing? I've been calling you. You had me scared. You need people like that. Stay consistent. Amen." So Jesus said, stay here with me. Stay. Now, I'll be honest. The disciples weren't doing a good job staying there with them. They were falling asleep. They were struggling. But Jesus still had them with them. And lastly, number five, talk to people who have vision. Say, talk to people who have vision. I've already said earlier that I believe that grief affects our vision. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 11 it says something, New Living Translation. It says, likewise, two people lying together. Jump back up to verse, uh, actually verse 8. I want to go back from it. Let me go back up. Say Ecclesiastes. Says, this is the case of the man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is also what? And what? Look what it says in verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they help each other what? Verse 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and what? But when someone who falls alone is in what? Okay. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close to each other together. Amen. All the brothers are kind of struggling with this scripture. They're like, I don't know if I want to lie close to another brother. But anyway, it says, can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm what? Verse 12, it says a person, look at this. It says a person standing alone can be what? And defeated. But two can stand what? And what? 
and conquer. So stop right there. Elder Taylor, just come over here. Let me show you something. So when you're in warfare, you need somebody that's going to stand back to back with you. You, 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 you need somebody that's going to have vision for your life when you can't see what God has for your life. You need somebody that can come and give you a prophetic word. Y'all ain't talking to me when you're going into the dumps. Amen. You need somebody that will remind you of what God has already said about you and already done for you. The Bible says, remember the Lord gives you power to get wealth. In order to establish it, you need somebody that's going to help remind you of what God has done for you. So this is what happened. Turn around. Me and Elder Taylor fighting the same war, but we see in different directions. You're not with me. See, there's some things he can see. Elder Taylor, tell me what you can see. All right, not, not in preacher mode, Elder Taylor. Just tell me what you see. What do you see naturally? What, kind, what do you see? I mean, you see. Join them, but what else do you see? See, see, I, see, see, I can't see that, though. But I'm going to tell you what I can see. I see Elder Sloan. I see Missionary Sloan. I see Sister Latoria. I see Conrad. I see Gabby. I see some free men over there. Amen. I see a window. But, but see, what I can't see, he can see. Y'all ain't talking to me. See, the vision I don't have, he has. And as we fight together, he reminds me. He says, you remember what God said to you back on Balboa Street? You ain't talking to me. I'm going to help remind you what God said about you years ago. You might only see what's coming, but I'm going to remind you about what God has already said. You need people to remind you. And then sometimes we're stuck in our past. Oh, man, I lost this, and I lost that, and I lost this. And you need somebody else to tell you where you're going in the spirit. You need somebody else to be looking at your future while you're stuck in your past. That's why you need to stand back to back with somebody. Because even though you all are both fighting the same battle, you have different perspectives. You need somebody that can come and say, yeah, the business might have failed 10 times, but it won't fail on the 11th time because God is with you. Who do you have that will give you a new perspective, that will give you fresh vision that will help you to see what you can't see by yourself. You need somebody to say, no, the marriage will not die. I see something different. I see something fresh. Why? Because I'm standing back to back. So when your kids, oh, you ain't hearing me. Oh, God help me. So when your kids are acting up and they acting crazy and you stuck in what they did and how they got locked up and how everybody's talking about them and how they don't look like they're going to be that man of God, your brother's standing back to back to you. Say, you remember what Bishop Lockett prophesied to you and he told you that he will be anointed, that he will be called by God? You need somebody looking in a different direction with fresh vision. That is the power of coming to church. When you come here, you might not have vision, but somebody else does and with that vision you won't perish give a shout of praise to the lord give a shout of praise to the lord give a shout of, come on come on give a shout of praise to the lord we're closing give a shout of praise lord we thank you we thank you we thank you that we're covering each other back tell you that i got your back yeah, yeah. What you can, what, I got your blind side. What you can't see, I can see. Oh, yeah, you can't see the man of God, but I can see the man of God on the inside of you. I can see it. I know you don't see the healing, but I see it coming. I know you don't see the child, but I see it coming. Y'all ain't talking to me. I got your blind side. I got your back. I see what you can't see. Y'all ain't talking to me. I know you don't see the job, but I still see it coming because I got your back. Come on now.
I know you might not see how it's going to work out, but I see how it's going to work out. You need somebody with some fresh vision. You, you, you need to get around somebody that's going to encourage you, that's going to strengthen you, that's going to say the way I see it, I see it a little bit different. I'm still, I'm still fighting the same war with you, but I see it a little bit different. You need somebody that when you're being attacked, they have fresh vision for your life. Fresh vision, fresh vision, fresh vision, fresh vision for that single person that's waiting to be married. Fresh vision for that person who has a physical illness. Fresh vision for the person who's going through a financial crisis right now. Fresh. Lord, I just thank you today. That your word talks about the oil of joy that you give us. And it also talks about in Isaiah 53, how you have carried our griefs. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that every grieving experience that we've had for whatever situation we have faced, we thank you that we can give it to you and that you can heal our hearts and that you can deliver our minds. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Some of you might even say that, I'm, I'm grieving right now, but the Lord can heal you. I can tell you right now, First Lady Lockett, God has strengthened her. He strengthened Pastor Joshua almost seven years. It'll be seven years in October, but I'll still cast out devils. I'll still lay hands on the sick. I'll still preach the gospel. I will still praise. Come on. I will still worship. I can't worship him only in the good times. I've got to worship him in the bad times. Say, why do you worship so much? One of the reasons why it's good to worship so much, because if I don't worship, I might lose my mind. Worship is like a security system on my mind. I'm giving you practicality right now. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it, the Bible says, thank God and make your supplication, supplication. It, in other words, it says, then the God of peace will guard, it, the peace of God will guard your, your heart and your, and your, in other words, a security system is going to be set up when you start thanking him. I know you don't have what you want. Yeah, I know you don't have what you want, but he's, but, but you got to be thankful for what you have in this moment. Thank you. The Bible says in all things, you might not have the house you want, but you got a house. You're grieving. And I'm here today to tell you that, you know what? As a believer, it's normal to grieve. But we're not called to grieve like the world because we have hope in Jesus. Listen to me. There is always hope, even when it doesn't seem. There is always hope. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you can, just lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise is what I do. Oh, it's what I do. Uh, come on, just come on again. The praise is what I do. Yeah, it's what I do. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. It's what I do. 
Lord, I declare new energy is being poured out on your people today. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is I choose to rejoice. I choose to have joy. I make a choice. Yes, yes, build us up today, Lord. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, if you're in here today, and because of that grief, you, you found yourself not running to God, but you found yourself running from God because it hurts so much. You don't understand why it happened. You're trying to figure it out, and, and you're so frustrated right now. But there are moments in time in your life as a believer where you have to learn how to just simply trust Him, even though you don't understand. The Bible says, depend not on your own understanding. It's not that you can't have understanding, just don't depend on it. Because our understanding is finite. He is a wise God. So if every head bow, every eye closed, if you, if you find yourself running from God today, if you find yourself in a place where you're kind of being separated from him, you, you, you're going opposite direction. You know God is telling you there's more. He wants you to turn. And, and you even feel him tugging on your heart. He say, I want to heal your heart. There's comfort for the sheep. But the sheep got to stay with the shepherd. Amen. It, it, there's comfort as you follow the shepherd, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So with every head bow, every eye closed. I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. If that's you, you say, Pastor Josh, include me in a prayer. I need to make a turn back to God. I need to make a turn back to God. I want the joy he has. I want, the, I want, I want to make a turn back to God. One, if that's you, get ready. Two, if that's you, get ready. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We all need the hand of God on our life. Three, slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Pray with you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Anybody raise it up high. If that's you, slip it up high. Is there anybody else that needs to say, pray with me, pray for me? I just want prayer right now. I just need you to pray with me, pray for me. Father, we thank you. Just going to open up just a little bit more. Hallelujah. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I come back to you. I recommit to you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul. Lord, fill me with joy. Fill me with peace. I pray from this day forward that I will be committed to the end. That even if I grieve, I will not grieve like everyone else because I have a hope. And I pray even now from this day forward, there is a new strength coming in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody say amen and give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. Were you empowered to become a team player? Let us know. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian. Facebook, Triad Christian Center. And you can also visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you back next week to The Movement Podcast.